we're going. Nice. So you've been pretty busy, man. Yeah. I mean, almost too. I, uh, I'm busy starting things. I haven't finished a lot yet. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, I, I've been following your Instagram and stuff and I mean, there's always something popping up on there and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Most of that's all fake. Yeah. That's, that's just staged. <laughs> Somebody else. Yeah. That's just trying to garner some attention on there. Yeah. Um, no, I've, uh, there was, uh, there was like some artwork that I, that I was looking up, um, of yours and it's like just people. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of like an outline of whatever color. And yeah. then there's geometric shapes and kind of like skeletal, robotic-looking structures, pyramid yeah. circles type stuff. It looked really cool. Well, thank you. That's that's what I was going for was was to look cool. Yeah, uh, it, it did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I have been doing more drawing. I know th- the last summer was it was an eye-opening experience as far as like all the front-end things that go into art. Mm. Like there's a lot more to putting on a project than just making the work. Okay. Um, and as an artist, that sucks because you just want to make work. Like the production of... Yeah, I mean... Not just the art. It's like, oh, we need to get these people here or... Well, it's like murals is a great example yeah. because so much of it is where can you put it? And then it's like, what can go on that space? Does the client like it? Will mm. the public like it? Can you make it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you even do the work? Yeah. I mean, like even like I'll have a great idea, but then it's if I can't get a lift, you know, then you have to be on a ladder mm. that limits you. Then it's like the time... It's like, because you don't want to be like reaching and kind of being uncomfortable, and it looks off, and then you look back at it, and you're like, "Oh man, his eye is a little lower than the other one." And it's totally. I'm off. just gonna go on record and say I don't, I don't mess with ladders. I'm not into it. <laughs> I've seen some people put down great work on just ladders, mm-hmm. and power to them. I'm, I'm a prima donna in that sense. I yeah. gotta get scaffold or something. Well, we could uh, introduce who you are, I guess, to people that are. <laughs> They'll know. In. They'll know from the voice. I'm, I'm a big deal in Europe. <laughs> Isaiah Lattimore. Yeah. Welcome, man. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome myself back. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the other side of the table. Yeah. Almost welcomed you to your own basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've yeah. welcome to being in my presence. This yeah. is a big deal for you. I'm sure. Thank you, man. I'm kind of sweating. I'm thinking about <laughs> taking off my pants. Uh, <laughs> uh, just my pants. So don't get excited. But yeah. So uh, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm John. This is Isaiah Lattimore. And we're going to talk about everything, like everything. It's going to yeah. be a 17-hour show. From Big Bang till now. Yeah. My- Real quick. The history of nearly everything. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. All right, I took my shirt off exactly <laughs> in the time. Uh, you saw my nipples, so yeah, it was. You're like welcome. The Eiffel. No, thank I'm, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> At least uh, broke some tension. I feel like you owe me dinner now, right? Isn't that how this works? <laughs> well, I know you better now, <laughs> or well, you know me better. Uh, um, that pen's gonna click if you push it. Like you'll hear it. Yeah. Oh, look yeah. At that. I guess I'll stop I doing need to, that. That's now. why I gave myself a pen with a cap on it. <laughs> Because you'll, like, I had somebody over there, I think it was Eric Figgins, and the button on that knife, that table knife, one of my table knives, um, he was just like, click, 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 click. And I could I could hear it, but I don't know if the microphone picks it up, but we can still hear it on our headphones. But I don't think, I don't think they can hear it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, you, it's, if, if it helps you, you could do it. Perfect. <laughs> oh my God, I mean, I, it's very soothing. Yeah, it is. It's therapeutic. Um. So yeah, you've been you've been a busy dude. 
Yeah. A lot. And, and you have a full-time job. Well, I mean, uh, the key is to just not go into work. Oh, like you'd be, you'd be amazed how productive you can be when you just neglect your responsibilities. I'm trying to like push that on people, and they just don't want to grab yeah. onto it. Yeah, the hardest one is explaining it to the wife, but once she understands the importance of like not supporting your family, yeah, once space heaters start, oh yeah, filling up the house, world's your oyster. Once you just accept poverty, <laughs> smells like propane in here. Yeah. It's like it's all right. That's all right. Just go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um uh, we were talking a little bit before our guests uh, right before the intro the artwork that you did with the um kind of like the aura mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. um where, where did that come from well yeah i mean the the big thing was a couple things so my decision to do more drawings mm. really came from a, a reaction to just the politics of the murals and how it was getting kind of frustrating okay it's like i felt like i had all these ideas or i I had something that I thought could only work in a series, but to do that in the form of murals is almost impossible. Yeah, that would be hard. Yeah. So it's like a mural is like a snapshot of an idea. So if I have something I want to do over a series, it's like, well, okay, well, let's go back to drawing because it's much faster. It's much more immediate. It works on a smaller scale. You could judge it and have people see it way faster than a huge mural. Or it's, I like to think like, so with the mural, the the thing is the artwork. Mm-hmm. But with the drawings, it's the series of like, I, I think I did six of the Youngblood series. Mm. So it's like each one adds to the prior one and vice versa. Okay. So but now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'll just say, so it's like, if my idea was all six of them, to do them in one piece is difficult. Mm-hmm. So you kind of break them off and give the viewer. It's like a TV show opposed to a movie, yeah, I guess. Like a, like a comic series or something yeah, like that. Just like looking forward to the next one. Yeah. It'd be cool if you did like a puzzle. And you drew all the pieces and then just made one huge mural out of all the little pieces that you did. I disagree. I think that would suck. All right. That's the show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't agree with me. The show's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but I really liked it. It, um, it kind of looked like it, it would, I don't know, like you were talking a little bit to me um, before the show, like a few days ago uh, about like religion and art mm. and how... Now you're a religious painter. No, <laughs> but um, they kind of look something like, you know what I mean? They, they don't look just like a regular, yeah, this is a picture I drew when I was in sixth period or whatever. They kind of, it kind of looks like something that belongs like on the, like the pyramid. Every yeah. time I see a pyramid, I think of the dollar bill or the all seeing eye mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So how much, how much does like religion affect or, you know, have a, a part in your art? Well, I mean, do you have time to talk about your Dude. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? <laughs> no, I well, you don't um, look like the regular uh, Bible thumper here. No, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's funny you said that about the pyramid because that's that's one of the tools art can do is you can play on um, just some of the iconography people recognize. So the same thing is true about religious imagery, where I, where I like to think my work before was me figuring out what those were, like when you did something like a halo or even the position of someone's hand mm-hmm. can allude to some type of religious imagery. The way they're laying. Like, yeah. Strewed about. You, know, you might not know why, but you'll look at it and you'll be like, you know, this feels spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, up until maybe a couple months ago, I was just learning what those things were, putting them in my work, mainly to be interesting. Um, yeah. But more recently in my work, I'm, I'm more deliberately trying to be, I guess, spiritual. Because they kind of like, I mean, I know that we talked about it and I don't want to make it, seem like it's like a fake thing that I'm saying, but they kind of do mm-hmm. like have that spiritual kind of, you know, cause it could be the way they're standing hands open or whatever. And it's like, they have an aura 
and they're in front of an object and you could kind of see like it almost looked like robotic like skeletal yeah like well, the building of it pretty much like you could see the engine running behind the fender or whatever yeah there's a couple of reasons for that I, I i'll put this disclaimer i don't think my work is as much about perpetuating religious imagery as it is like me trying to write the ship it's some of the things that i think people have abused or not in, that's a bad word not intentionally abused but uh religious imagery has put a lot of people off yeah you know, I, I was even talking to an artist, James Thigpen, who is from Flint, great artist. Uh, he was telling me about how when he closes his eyes, and he's a religious guy, but and he pictures Jesus, it's this white, blonde hair, blue, blue eyes guy. Okay. And that that's not what he looks like. He knows it's not accurate. So it makes it weird. Like you start putting, because of the images, you start feeling like religion is this thing for people who look like that. Okay. So a lot of my work is trying to fix that that's why I, I like to have inconsistency in the models okay and then also as far as the body structure now you brought that up a couple times the reason why they're anatomical looking more or less like you you see the mechanics behind yeah. it. yeah um another way religious art has been used negatively uh is really to perpetuate the sense that women are objects or you'll see like a religious painting from the 1500s it's like a girl all exposed and naked and whatever. Mm. They were using it as an excuse to just explore that, right? Okay. So for me, the idea is if I'm showing not just the female figure, but all figures is just large shapes. Like I'm, we're not looking at the body. We're just looking at these kind of shapes. Does that make like, sense? Well, like when you first start drawing, mm -hmm. let's say feet, it's little squares and then yeah. you put the edges on them. Like you're chiseling it out of clay, but with a pencil. Yeah. So the idea is if you if you stop sooner and you don't take it all the way to whatever seductive woman body, mm -hmm. um, then you avoid that missed message. Okay, and it kind of draws the eye somewhere else too. It's not like oh man, look at the look right. at the boobs on this one. <laughs> well, if, if, if those things get in the way of the message, the same way that you know blonde haired white Jesus yeah. gets in the way of <laughs> of of my friend really receiving what the work's about. You know, the same thing is when you have this woman all seductively exposed or whatever. It's hard to then be like, oh yeah, but then Matthew three sixteen or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, your your artwork. I mean, it's not like a new thing. Like you could see that. Oh, I it, think I'm. I think I'm a brand well, new. I mean, not <laughs> your artwork, but <laughs> the sense of it being like religious or mm. kind of that you know striking that chord. A lot of the stuff that you've done in your past too, mm -hmm. like like the uh, one of the pictures that kind of. Like when I see it, I I think it looks like a drug overdose kind of where the one young man mm. is holding another young man and he's kind of like just that's like, actually a girl but yeah oh okay i didn't yeah no i i intentionally picked a model who was a female but just didn't look um like traditional standards like of amb beauty not yeah. ambiguous but yeah. not like oh that's a chick that's a dude it's kind of like maybe maybe brings you in to like look at it a little closer right than just yeah okay but yeah so does like is it has it always been a part of your art yeah because I mean, you're a religious pretty religious person yeah, I would just say that the difference is now where I was using religious imagery to make what I thought was better images or better paintings. Okay. Uh, now I'm trying to figure out, now that I know this, how can I bring it back to making religious images? Okay. So you're, so is there kind of like, not an end goal, but is there like a spear tip to this work of, all these bodies of work that you've been doing? Like, is it leading up to, besides all the projects and events that you've been attending and doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it, or is it just going to be kind of like a multiple thing where it's just like, let's see what happens. And we're just going to try all the stuff. 
I mean, a little of both. I yeah. think one of the things that you almost have to do as an artist nowadays is kind of dip your toe in a lot of you yeah. know, different things. Um, so some of these projects I'm exploring to see where they'll go. And some of them I have a much more clear path of like, I want this to end up being X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, I would give the example of the two murals I did down on courtside of like the two kids from the community. Okay. That's something I think should happen in the city a lot more. You know, if you see these two kids, it's weird because they like seeing themselves in that light. Like we all strive to be a celebrity or something. It's kind of like, um, something that's, that's going to be there for a while. And people are going to, a lot of people are going to see it. Well, it's a weird feeling because particularly kids in, in urban environments don't get that sense of admiration or celebration. I mean, unless they're really good at sports or something. Yeah. But it's like the only time you really see someone's picture is if they died. Okay. So I, I kind of wanted to change that narrative and say, like, in the same way, if I go to Europe, I can see a bunch of people who look like me all over the place. I, I doubt mean, it. They, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm fat, but <laughs> more attractive versions of me will be everywhere. That's a fact. Um, but that shouldn't be exclusive to people who look like me. You know, people who look like these kids in Flint, they should experience that. Yeah, I think it's cool because, yeah, um, yeah like you said, murals, you think, oh, people that passed or icons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, um, um, Kevin scraps. Yep. He did a mural just recently that I saw on his Instagram that, um, was like comics. Mm. Um, not, not necessarily all of them are comics like the dude from, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw Big Lebowski and uh, Chris Farley and like, it looked really cool. Oh, he smashed it. it Thanks was, for bringing him up by the way. Now no. everyone will look him up and forget <laughs> about me completely. No, no, he's, he's, he's good. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Um, there's levels to it. Like your stuff is amazing. His stuff's amazing. It's not like better or worse. It's, you can't, I, I don't know how to say it. Like if I did a mural, you'd be like, that's terrible, <laughs> but I've never done one. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's like, you can't really say art is, I guess that's not right. Cause art can be bad. Oh, it can be terrible, <laughs> but it's your, your perspective on what you think this looks like. And it's also your skill you know, this is what I can do. This is it for right now. And then next one will be better and so on and so forth. So it's always a, it's always like a, a blip in the radar. Mm-hmm. And then the next one will be bigger. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I like the idea of, um, like Bruce Lee said once that fighting was the best way to just explain yourself as a human. Hmm. And I think what he meant, not particularly fighting because I'm a terrible fighter. So that means I'm a bad person. It's like the mar- <laughs> like the martial arts. Well, I think it's, it's just this thing that you've devoted yourself to enough that when you put it out there, you're really, what you're showing is your dedication to it, your ability to, to, to just enhance in this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's who I was as a person is, is this commitment to this thing for him. It was fighting for me. It's painting. I'm basically as cool as Bruce Lee. Yeah, like, you that's, are. <laughs> that's what I'm getting to. <laughs> um, so your Instagram for people that want to look it up real quick, pause it, check it out. Uh, Lattimore. Dot art. Yes. L-A-T-T-I-M-O-R-E dot art. There you go. I don't know how to spell art. <laughs> oh, I barely know how to spell Lattimore. So I was impressed by that one. Um, yeah, it's it's impressive stuff. And uh, it's kind of cool because knowing you from work, you could, I could kind of see like what you were starting at. Not really starting at because how long have you been doing it? Um, That's kind of a hard question. I mean, I would say. Like how long have you been taking it serious where. Every year you seem like. I'm taking it more serious. Okay. So it seems like every year, like this is the first year that I started. Like I would even say within the last couple of months is when I would be like, this is when I started wanting to be a professional at it before I was working up to wanting to be a professional. 
So but, I don't know. You know but I, seeing you do your stuff and then six years later. Yeah. I like, mean, I've been making art for a long time. Yeah. It's a huge difference, but it's not like, you know, it's not like you're, I'm only drawing apples in a bowl and now I'm drawing people. It's like you've done, it seems like you've, you've opened this window and it's just, yeah. I think it's awesome. I think your, your stuff's great. Well, thank you. Yeah. I need a piece of artwork from you. Like not, not right now, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I got some outside. I'll bring one in. Um, I want to purchase something and put it up in here somewhere, but oh, there you go. Um, so yeah, that's awesome that you're growing and learning and trying new things out and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it, that's scary for people. Um, yeah, it definitely is. You know, the <clears> sense that, especially when you do something you're not as familiar with. Yeah. Um, but I always try to look at it as, if I do something I don't know how to do, worst case scenario is you just suck at it yeah. and then it sucks. You go to school on it, they call it. Right. But then it's like, I know the next time I have that opportunity, I at least got that one bad one out of the way. Yeah. You know what not to do. Right. At I least. mean, that, that was my attitude to starting murals too, was like, if I want to do good ones, I'm going to have to do a bad one first. So let's just get yeah. this bad one out of the way. Yeah. That's kind of like this, this podcast, this yeah. exact episode. Let's get this back. Like this, no. thing, yeah, we'll we'll no. move this one out of the way. So your next one will be good. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, I just put them out there. I, I was like so nervous to put the first two out there because we were just like talking. Mm-hmm. Like it was just who the hell wants to hear it? I don't know. Let's see. Mm. And if they want to, they do. If not, I'm not forcing anybody to listen to it. So I'm. I don't know. I don't know if I'm. Uh, if they're getting better or not. But <laughs> it's like we keep doing them, so people keep listening, and let's do it. Same. Same with your work. You know. I mean, I th- not necessarily the same reason. You know what I mean? But. Just as far as like the the art of it or the work of it, you just are doing it, getting better. This wasn't that good, so maybe I won't do that this time, and just keep building off of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny because one of the things that I've noticed recently about even just how to promote yourself, grow yourself, a big part of it is this idea of synergy. Like, um, like I thought this was Joe Rogan. Like that's why I'm here right oh, now. Oh, hey. <laughs> My, my, my manager told me that that's who this was. So. Eat shock proteins. <laughs> no, but so the idea is if you bring me on your show, right, you want me to be a big deal because then you had a big deal on your show. Yeah. Same thing not? like if I come on your show, I want you to be a big deal because I went on this big deal type show. And I've noticed that that attitude is happening much more within the art scene, mm. particularly in these smaller markets like Flint really is. And like we're not that big of a city. Mm-hmm. But it's like when I paint someone, we have a vested interest in one another. Yeah. It's like he wants me to be big because then the, someone bigger painted him. It's a bigger deal. It's better for his brand. Yeah. You're not really objectifying or just using that person and right. befriending them, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, so you have this attitude now where everyone is, I don't want to say like overly supportive, mm-hmm. but we do. Like, at least from what I've seen is all the artists in Flint really want to see like rising tide raises all ships kind of thing, yeah. you know? Tend to the garden closest to you, yeah. if that's one. <laughs> it sounded great. Uh, like you could have just made it up, but I, I'm going to heard it somewhere. I'm going to quote it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love having people on the show, and you know, if like any anybody, like I say that, like people are like, "Oh, can I do?" Your show? I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it. Like, let's just talk and see what happens." Um, you just by chance happen to have a gift, and you know, you have more friends than me. I'm um, no. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't do it to like, like for me, I, I won't do it to boost me up. It's like just more content. Mm, okay, well are, then I'm leaving. Oh, this, 
<laughs> I thought you were going places. No, it'll boost. Hopefully, it'll boost you up. You yeah, know, yeah. at least. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not using anybody. Like, there's. I don't know. That seems like you're you're tricking people out of their money. You can only do it once. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not into that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen this um, this dynamic shift happen, and I mean, I think COVID really had a part to do with it, where a lot of the artists I've been running into are people who were from Flint, moved to a bigger city, COVID hit, and then they all moved back. Mm. You know, like, um, I think what happened is people realized that your proximity to these big cities is becoming less and less important. Yeah. You know, COVID really forced us all to realize you have to do things at a distance. Yeah. And what happens in, because of that, what you used to have is like New York, LA, these cities where everyone grouped together, there was a limited amount of opportunities and we're just fighting like rats to get them. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you step back, you can do it from home. You don't have to be in New York or LA, but now we want Flint to get a little recognition. Yeah. Right? So now it's like, we all want each other to like, now we're trying to get some sort of spotlight on a world stage opposed to just in this city of New York or LA. Yeah. That'd be awesome. It's going to happen. Cool. Uh, I mean, the stuff that's happening in downtown Flint right now is crazy. Yeah. Like crazy. I like to think we're in like a Harlem Renaissance type moment. It kind of like, I'm not saying it feels like that right now, but it kind of, like you were saying, COVID affected people to, you know, they, it kind of forced you to do stuff in a different, a different way. And mm-hmm. it's not like you're ex- like, like you said, going to these cities and fighting over scraps, you right. know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, it's like you have to rely on your core group of people, try to keep the most positive people around you that can just always reciprocate and bounce and keep leveling up as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, we had a lady just moved into Flint. Her name's Katie Yellow. So she's in charge of um, placemaking in the city. Okay. Which sounds really abstract. When I first heard that, I'm like, I don't, what is that? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Essentially, her job is to kind of bring together these different talents. Okay. And then they do these art-related events. Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's whatever. Um, so it's like they just did one at Comma Bookstore downtown Flint. Okay. Uh, which is the dopest place on earth. It's my favorite place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, I don't even know how to read, and I love going there. <laughs> I love the picture books. <laughs> right. That's how great this bookstore is, is it's good for illiterates. It's called Comic? What comma. Comma? Yeah. And they call it that because it's uh, the idea is it's more than a bookstore. It's like Com bookstore, comma, social hub, comma, okay. you know, this, that, and the other. Um, so they did one where I painted or I drew a picture of this guy who does jackets. Okay. Uh, his name's Joseph Genius. Really dope hand-painted jackets. Okay. So he comes in, he brings his merchandise, my painting's there, we're inside the bookstore. Then they bring these videographers who they shoot everything. Then it's like they have the, the guy doing catered food, and then they okay. have the musicians, and then they have... It's like, so her job is essentially to meet these creative people in the city, bring them together. So again, it's like where, it's like when you put batteries together, right? Yeah. It's like we feed off of each other's energy. So now it's like, if I was off on my own trying to do this thing, well, then I just did a drawing, right? And whether it's good or bad, it's just that. Yeah. But now it's like, I did a drawing that's connected to this guy, that's connected to that guy, that's connected to the space. Like the food, the music, the the pictures, the the video, it's like all part of it. It's not just, like you said, just, I'm just drawing a picture of this dude doing his thing. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and you see stuff like that happening particularly downtown has this real explosion of the art scene right now. Um, but these things are happening so frequently. And in my opinion, they're, I mean, just great events. Yeah. Um, 
got to think that it's leading to something that's going to get some type of national recognition. Yeah, I mean. I mean, it already has a little bit. Yeah. How? Well, Flint's always in the news. <laughs> that's not. nothing new. They know about us. But, um, that's that's awesome though. Like, like her job must be pretty difficult at times. Yeah, she showed me one time because here's the thing: is as an artist, you see these things happening and you want to get involved. And she showed me one time, like, look, there's 30 other artists that are dying to be a part of this thing. Her job yeah. is as much as like. I like connecting with these artists and I like doing these things. There's so much talent in the city that her, she's nonstop trying to put together with yeah. this guy and that guy and this girl and this person. And um, I don't envy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, not, not to be like, Oh, how much money do you make? But I mean, this is obviously bringing people together and stuff's not free. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so like what, what type of events are they as far as like, is it a ticket to go see these people Almost like not kiosks, but mm -hmm. this is this dude's work. This is that dude's work. They're doing work live right now, like the music. Right. You know what I mean? There's, you know what I mean? Selling CDs, the caterers, like, right. hey, check out my restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, it depends. It depends on the artist. So, for example, my work is pretty expensive. Mm. So, if I put on, we actually are going to put on a show in uh, May. Nice. If I put on that show and it lives or dies solely on the sale of artwork, uh, odds are I might not sell that much, especially if it's just one day. Yeah. You know? So for me, something like, okay, you make it more exclusive or you put out buyers who you think might come or you sell tickets or whatever for someone else who their merchandise is there on the spot, like genius, he brought his stuff with him. Mm. So the idea is he makes money by selling his merchandise at the event. So I, I mean, it, it really depends on, I gotcha. you know, the musicians get paid to come out because they're entertainment. That's yeah. how it works. That's what I was wondering. Like they get yeah. paid ahead of time. Like the food mm -hmm. has to get paid ahead of time. Yeah. Like, like the venues asking for something. Yeah. I mean, I don't, that's their job, not mine. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know exactly how everyone gets paid. Yeah. No, I, I'm not, I'm not like asking, you know, particularly percentages and all, you know, cuts, but like how, you know, how the. It, it's fluid. You know, it depends. I know yeah. for the event that we want to put on, um, we had to figure out who the musicians were that were going to come, what they needed to come, how long of a set they could do that kind of stuff. Okay. So it depends. That's cool. though. That's awesome that more people are coming together. I mean, for the right reasons. Well, it's cool because Flint, one of the reasons why I think we're seeing this explosion here is because we used to be such a large city or much yeah. larger. Yeah. You know, Flint used to have 200,000 people in it. Now we have 80,000. Jeez. So because of that, we have all these spaces that used to be activated that now have just been vacant for like 20, 30 years. Yeah. So you have all these, like comic bookstore, they just opened up in three months. There's this really, I mean, you see all these like barbershops downtown, all these new clothing venues that are mm. popping up in these really awesome spaces. And the reason that they're available is because we were a ghost town for the last yeah. 20 years, you know. It's like so, you, hopefully people will, I mean, you're saying there's an explosion happening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like how much, how many people are being drawn in? That's, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You want traffic right so it's cool doing these events and stuff bring these people out there and like wow flint's not so bad <laughs> until the until the sun goes no, right, just, right you got to get out by 9 p.m but <laughs> other than that we're, we're pretty good that's, that's awesome dead air <laughs> well you were doing the thing i didn't know no, i was just uh, making sure my head my headphones were plugged in all the way because i kind of yanked it a little nice <laughs> uh so i mean so, we go ahead, no, we oh, i was gonna ask you um 
Is that is that the main thing that you're looking forward to for like the next? How'd you know that's what I was gonna segue <laughs> into? Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have a couple other projects lined up. The one I'm really excited about, um, we're gonna trying to we call it the Embando project. Okay. So I'm trying to get in contact with Land Bank where my idea is if we can paint these memorial pieces on abandoned houses of people from that area. Huh. And this is really, again, most of the art I'm doing now is a response to all the things I didn't like about the art I was doing earlier in the year. Yeah. So like when I did the George Floyd mural or even when, um, my, a friend of mine tech who passed away this year, uh, I was trying to do a memorial piece for him. There was so much kind of politics around it that seemed really weird. Yeah. Because it's like we're talking about someone who died. I'm trying to like honor this person. To me, that should be really simple. Yeah. You know. So particularly with the George Floyd one, it just seemed weird that it was such a spectacle. Like everyone had this perception like they care so much. Mm. But I'm not saying people didn't. Like I I don't regret doing the George Floyd one. I know what you're saying. Like the people jumping in front of a construction worker putting up some plywood before the riots happen and they just snap a picture like they're helping and then get in their Mercedes and go home and (laughs) have their latte. I mean, I'm not trying to condemn everybody because the truth is that some people really connected with that mural and that's awesome. Like that's what I was going for. I thought it turned out awesome. Both times. Yeah. Right. You have to redo it. Yeah. Back to back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, with that, I think what happens is there's this growing desire or this recognition that, you know, things got to change. Yeah. So then because of that, there's this other recognition that, oh, some people want things to change. So you have this other group who don't really care about what it is we're talking about. They just want to give the perception that they care. Yeah. You know, this is when you see like restaurants and businesses putting up whatever, Black Lives Matter in their mm. window. Do they really care about the movement? Not necessarily. They just want you to think they do. Like so the you'll buy a do. cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought that this would be good. I mean, one of the things that prove it in my mind is that all the outpouring and people that contacted me over the George Floyd mural, from that time till now, I know personally three kids in the city. Well, some of them were, I say kids, some of them were 20s, Mm. um, who died from whatever. Two of them died from gang-related things. One of them overdosed. And there's no outrage. Yeah. You know, it's just like business is normal. Yeah. And that seems really strange to me. You know, the same system, the same failing of a system that killed George Floyd is killing these kids every day. Yeah. And you claim to care so much about George Floyd, right? But then when Zaron Williams in Flint, Michigan dies, no one bats an eye. Yeah, it's not, it's not on, it's like, it's not on camera. It's not, it's not being pumped into the news. So like you said, it's just, you know, these people are living this right now. Mm. And they're on the streets and they're dying and killing each other and what, what have you. And the George Floyd um, situation, like that was, it was like a filmed execution. I mean, it it was, I'm not saying it's not, you know, either is more important or not, or not, but um, the news cycle is just so fast. Like George Floyd, what do you hear about that now? You know what I mean? Right. It's just COVID, the vaccine. Oh, the vice president's getting it in the arm today. It's like. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for showing me people getting a vaccine. You know what I mean? Is it going to make me feel more comfortable to get one? It's almost like they're kind of, you know, like baking it in. So it's like a normal thing. Yeah. And it sucks, but that's what it is. I don't really pay much attention to the news, but sorry to go, no, to no, go too fine. far off. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, 
Yeah, like you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up an interesting point about some of the reason why George Floyd's, that incident, demanded so much attention is because it was so in our face and so um, undeniably wrong, right? Yeah. Where these other things kind of slip under the radar. I'll give you an example. Um, You know, everyone knows Rosa Parks, right? Mm -hmm. Sat down on the bus, refused to give up her seat. Um, A lot of people don't know that that was actually like a staged event. It was a recreation of an event. So in that same town, there was a girl, her name was, I believe, Claudia Coven, where she essentially did the exact same thing. She was tired, coming home from work. She was, I think, 16 at the time and working a full-time job. And, yeah. So, and she refused to give up her seat. The problem was, is that this is back the 50s or whatever old people time it was. And she was a, a pregnant teenager. She was also very dark complexion. So it gained no traction. Mm. She got kicked off the bus and everyone's like, well, she was... You know, the perception of being a young, pregnant teenage girl back then was that you were... You're like a whore. Yeah, basically no good. Yeah. So even though that the sin was the same, the sin was that we're what we're addressing is the systemic racism, particularly on the bus at the time. And that was the exact same scenario. But because it was Claudia Coven and she's darker complexion, she's apparently this young girl with an attitude and a pregnant mom or teenage mom, Yeah. that no one really cared. So then they redo it with Rosa Parks, who's this sweet little old lady, and boom, now she's Rosa Parks. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah. Very similar to, um, and I'm, I'm almost putting myself out on this one, but so in Flint, when we had the sheriff come down to meet protesters, mm-hmm. um, and what's his name, uh, Chris Swanson. Okay, yeah. That I'm not saying that was a bad moment, because that was really great to see. He came yeah. down, he met, prote- like it, it was an example of what we all think we should start doing, right? Yeah. Um, what a lot of people don't know is Tim Johnson, who was also running for sheriff at the time, did essentially the same thing, just hmm. in a different part of the city. But again... My wife used to cut his hair, by the way. Tim Johnson? Yeah. I've met him in person. He's a, he used to do security for my boss. He's oh, like, wow. Yeah, he's... A, I'm not getting paid by him right now. But <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you but, want a haircut, my wife... No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, I think that the optics of Chris Swanson being a white guy... Yeah. In that moment was much more appealing to the public. And that's why that one garnered so much more attention. That one really blew up everywhere. Oh yeah. And it, it, it I think I mean we're proud of it. Like it was like it was a good message, it was a good thing. Yeah. Um not to demean anybody that's tried it before or will try it after and they won't get the same traction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the way the way it is, the way the viral videos go. Right. Um but yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that. But <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, so for me, the idea is if you keep showing... So the same thing like with Rosa Parks, the real message was what happened on the bus and who it happened to got in the way. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Chris Swanson. The real message is this coming together or this overcoming or you know progressive trying to tackle the problem of systemic racism with the police and who gave the message. I don't want to say got in the way, but it dictated who we cared about between, yeah. you know, Chris Swanson and Tim Johnson. For me, the answer is if you can keep talking about that issue behind the person, right, then people will either A, start to recognize it, or they'll start to pay attention to why they're not recognizing it. Like yeah. if we keep talking about Claudia Coven, people will start to realize that the issue is we care too much about who these things are happening to. We're not yeah. talking about what's happening. Yeah, like the actual action. Yeah. Not it's a white guy yelling at a young black kid right. or whatever. It's like what are what's going on here? Right. Yeah, I think um I mean 
you would love for that to happen more. Like sit down, have a conversation with somebody because we can have three people from three different angles, completely opposite sides of the earth. And you sit down and start talking and you're going to be more, you're going to have more in common than not. Yeah. And that's just how it is. Cause we're all human beings. It's like one, one race really. It was human beings. Like it just depends on your skin color by how close you were to the equator. You know, one of the things that I love about Flint specifically um, is how unifying being poor is. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so I, my family is really this combination of like super, I don't know, we're not super ghetto, but we lived in the super ghetto. Yeah. And just like white trailer park trash people. Yeah. And Me it's, too, man. <laughs> it's <you> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, when you have a situation like Flint where both of these white, black, whatever, are in such similar situations or distress because we're, we're all poor, um, you start to see the similarities between the two, right? And society likes to think like that black issues are just black issues or that they don't affect white people or vice versa, where really we can start to deal with the issues that do affect both. You know, in Flint, most of the problems are class issues. And I'm yeah. not saying systemic racism doesn't happen, right? I mean, I grew up in a house with all black people. All my siblings are, you know, various shades of black. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can see the issues that affect us in tandem, the things that, you know, we're both poor. We both grew up in the same house. We're both subject to get robbed on the way home. Mm -hmm. But I can also see the things that affect just them and not me, right? Things like yeah. when, when we go into a museum together, I identify with the art. They don't, right? Or I can see people who look like me in the art, probably more fit versions of me in the art, <laughs> uh, and they don't. Same thing like if me and my brother are walking down the street and there's a cop in the middle, he looks at him, not me. Yeah. Right. Or I'll look at him first, at least. Yeah. That doesn't mean that all the issues that affect my siblings relate back to the fact that they're black and I'm white. Because mm -hmm. most of the things that affect us are unanimous. It's because we don't have life insurance and we don't yeah. have an inheritance and you know, our it's parents never owned anything. Economic class. Yeah. So I think if you look at Flint as an example of some of the issues that we really could tackle, you know, it's a... It's weird because we are this melting pot of, we're, we're pretty diverse in the city. I know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but we're also all kind of in a rough spot. You know, our problems are all of our problems in a lot of cases. Yeah. There's, I mean, most of the people that I know, including myself, that have anything to do with Flint or the surrounding area, there's some kind of like a financial turmoil. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I wrote down here, poor dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to remind me of uh, when we lived in Hamtramck. Okay. For a little while, because uh, my my dad was trying something else. He was trying to, you know, maybe get into real estate and whatever, and it just wasn't working. And um, he pulled us over there, and we were living in Hamtramck. Not the best place for young people. Mm -hmm. um, we lived right across the street from a crack house, um, sitting at the window watching people go in and not come out for hours. And then when they do come out, it's like a different person came out. And even threatened when I was throwing snowballs at my sister, and a dude came out of that house and said, you're pretty much saying, pretty much told me, get back inside or I'm going to like beat your ass pretty much just because we were causing attention and he didn't want people to watch. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, but still, my mom and dad, we had dinner every night. Mm. They were, we were, I, I don't want to say they were religious. We were religious. We went to church on Sundays and everything. So we still had these little things that, you know, it was like a normal like, oh, normal dinner time. Oh, going to school was normal. Not the school, just the action of actually waking right, up right. and going to school because 
the school was terrible. Metal detectors, oh, teachers yeah. cursing at you. Like you're just, you're just an in the way person. Get your four years and go mm-hmm. next. And then just pushing them out. So they didn't even give a shit about their kids, you know, as far as schools go. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You would say, I don't want to paint Flint like it is all bad all the time. Um, but I think one of the things, one of the reasons why you see so many creative people or even just people from Flint doing something, whatever, mm-hmm. um, is because we had to figure out how to make, I mean, life goes on. Yeah. Like no matter how bad it is in the city, like you're going to wake up tomorrow. You got to figure it out. Yeah. So for, it's almost this, this litmus test in the sense of like, we had to figure out how to survive in this environment. So when you take that mindset and put it towards something, I mean, for a city of 80,000, I mean, we have Kalisha Shields. We have, I, I think, like four or five notable players in the NBA right now. Yeah. So many musical talents, Boxers. so many artists. Yeah, I mean, it's weird when you think about, like, why is Flint pumping out so much talent? And really, it's because we're, we're heartened, really, by the city. Yeah. At least I am. I'm, I'm super. You're, you're, you're bad, dude. <laughs> you're bad, dude. I'm a bad man. <laughs> I like to imagine I'm like a Samuel Adams in Pulp Fiction. Like, that character was based off of me, essentially. Sam Jackson? Oh, I said Sam Adams. <laughs> Not sponsored. <laughs> right. Well, I didn't want to get sued. Like I had to, <laughs> I don't know Sam Jackson like that. <laughs> or Sam Adams. Yeah. Oh man. Um. So yeah, I think to, uh, I guess, jump on that as far as people, um, you know, Flint producing these people mm-hmm. with such discipline. It's just because they didn't have anything to fall back on. Mm. Let's just say. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like boxing. You yeah. know, like the, the twin brothers, I can't remember their names. They're, uh, amazing boxers. And oh, okay. Keep going. But yeah, see, here's when the Google machine, right, right. That's handy <laughs> that I was like, Oh, it'd be a distraction. <laughs> um, but those kids probably had to fight most, yeah. most of the time throughout their week. Like we don't have to deal with that. I mean, I don't have to deal with that where I live. I right. get up, go to my car. I'm not worried about somebody rolling up on me and I got to defend myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still in my mind. Like if I'm walking down a road or a sidewalk, even even if we're hiking through the woods, I'm still checking over my shoulder just because that was burned into me as a young kid mm-hmm. growing up in the Bronx and then Detroit and back and forth from yeah. all these, you know, not poor cities, but, you know, impoverished cities. And um, yeah, they just, they used it for something. Yeah. And they're like, well, I can't make money fighting people on the street. We're no Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> That's a one in a million. You know what I mean? But they were brothers and they did it. So two in a million. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just a, a mental, a mental thing more. So I think. Yeah. It's funny. You would say that they say one of the prerequisites to like creative genius, um, isn't just your ability to think creatively. A lot of times they experience some type of trauma early on. Um, and they say what happens is it forces their brains to perceive the world in this new way mm. that every instant after that now has this filter over it where it's like their brains were activated because they had to survive whatever event. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good analogy for what happens to kids growing up in a city like Flint. Like, you know, it just changes the way you look at things. You know, it does. It makes you a little tougher. It makes you a little more, you had to survive it somehow. You're, so whatever. You're thinking of stuff at a different angle. Like, yeah. okay, that, that sounds good, but let me, you know, let me, Tiptoe a little bit here. <laughs> it's like whatever you had to do to survive just growing up in the city, you can then apply that to whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know, and that's why a lot of times they tend to be more creative and more successful. A lot of comedians, terrible childhoods. I mean, it's, 
That's that's a good point. It's you like know. when when tragedy strikes, one of the ways to get through it oftentimes is to to make light of it. Or, yeah, you know. laughter. Yeah, I I love laughing, dude. That's my favorite thing. I'm a fan. Would <laughs> recommend five stars on Yelp. <laughs> laughing is pretty good. I wonder if anybody has that. <laughs> <laughs> Just do a review on laughing. <laughs> it's the best. That's it. Period. That's all. <laughs> so yeah, growing up uh, in in a lot of places too. Um, having a big family, seeing the stuff that my older siblings went through, helped mm-hmm. me make decisions, kind of like vicariously learning through other people. You know, it's it's funny you would say that. One of the things I'm trying to do with my art now, for me, one of the the big goals I have is to frame fine art like one of these things, right? So when you grow up in an urban environment, you have sports, you have music. Um, I think education is one of these things also where once kids can get connected to it or see that they can do it, mm. um, some of them really commit to that. Yeah. Like you were saying, they have nothing to fall back on. And I personally don't see why fine art isn't, doesn't have a bigger presence. Uh, you know, it's one of the things that no matter where you live, you can make the same amount at it. You can be just as good at it. You can learn. There's access to it nonstop. I mean, I learned most of what I learned just online. Yeah. You know, so regardless of how poor you grew up, uh, this is one of the things, it's it's like sports, or it should be like sports and music, where kids could commit themselves to it or try to be better at it. Um, so a lot of the work I'm doing now is trying to show kids basically how to make it, right? The idea is I want them to not only see fine art and it not be so foreign to them, like yeah. I want to put it in areas where they get to see it in their day-to-day life, but when they see it, I want to tell them a little bit about how I made it, how they could make it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking of your parents... Um, how did they uh, kind of indulge you in the art world as far as like, I'm, I'm sure they've paid for a lot of stuff. They bought a lot of pencils. <laughs> actually stole a lot of stuff. <laughs> that Okay, there's that. I stole a lot of stuff too. This is all stolen. This, <laughs> everything this whole here. house. I just kicked it. the guy out who was living we're, here. We're squatters. We've been squatting for years. <laughs> um, no, as far as like, uh, I don't want to say like, oh, they paid for all this stuff for you. But mm-hmm. how did they help you? Like, how did they indulge you to keep going in this way? Or were they kind of just, just supportive in that you were doing something that didn't involve drugs or being on the streets? I'll definitely say that they were as supportive as they could be. And they helped out any way that they ever could. Yeah. Um, we weren't a rich family. So compared to some of my peers, uh, they definitely bought less art supplies than some of the other kids in class. Yeah. And I had to make up the difference with my own five-finger discount. <laughs> um, Free 99 <laughs> But I think... You know, when, especially when you see a parent who maybe doesn't have his, if you know your dad has a thousand bucks in his pocket yeah, and he gives you 20 bucks, you're like, okay, thanks dad. If you know that your dad had $10 in his pocket and he gave you all $10, right? It's like, even though monetarily it seems like less. It's more um, meaningful. Yeah. I mean, I would say that they supported me a lot more than you could expect parents to. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Oh yeah, absolutely. You have, um, how many siblings do you have? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Where do you, it? My family tree is like all over the place. So technically, I have one sister who's like my full same mom, same dad. Okay. And then I have like three, four half brothers, like four step brothers, and then we even had a kid. Is my brother's friend, who his mom recently died. Um, he just got out of county. He'd been locked up for a long time. Uh, he just turned eighteen. He started living with us. Wow. He's in the process of like changing his last name and I would consider him my brother. That's great. Right. 
So it de- how many siblings do I have kind of? So like too many. Multiple households <laughs> then as far as like where they were living. Like three or four were living here, three or yeah. four were living there. So it's not like you were all in the same place all the time. Yeah. So, so in, a, in my actual family unit, there was six of us most of the yeah. time on and off. So chaotic. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. So how did that work? Um, I mean, like you said, uh, like how long ago did you start doing this? You're like, I, three months yeah. ago, but really <laughs> it's been, it's been years and years. It's like a life, like yeah. a life's work kind of thing. What? I wonder how, how much, uh, the siblings affected or helped or were just like, Oh, I got your pencil. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say from about 12, 13, is when I first decided, like, I want to be good at this. Yeah. And then my definition of good, I guess, is what keeps changing. Okay. Like, I, I would imagine five years from now, I'll say, okay, now I'm starting to try yeah. to be good or whatever. But you will, you will, I mean, I, I think this of me, like, I'll never be, not saying I'll never be good, but there's always room for improvement. So there's, mm-hmm. there's never a perfection. There's yeah. no such thing. Uh, the best fighter in the world has their moment and then it's gone. You know what I mean? Something like art, it's, you can change it whenever you want. Mm. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a free form thing. It's not really set. So that's kind of cool as far as like your, you know, your choice of not your choice of passion, but you know, something that you can grow with and it grows with you and changes all the time. And it, you know, hopefully never gets stale and you just never do it again. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's a good choice if you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not that great, even if you're good at it. I mean, not if you like eating and having money yeah. and stuff. Like as a job, that's a that's yeah. a tough road, you know. Just like a stand-up comedian or mm-hmm. or a boxer, it's yeah. not like you knock this guy out and then you're you have a title fight the next the next day for a million dollars. No, they they take a they take a beating for yeah. a long time, and then just have that moment that we're seeing. It's like the tip of the iceberg and everything else is under the water that you don't see. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite artists on Instagram, he, um, he's a great figure drawer. I'm trying to remember. It's like Raymond something. Anyway. Raymond noodles. Yeah. Raymond noodles. That's (laughs) not sponsored. (laughs) I'd Uh, love to be sponsored by ramen, Raymond, whatever. What could they pay you? I mean, they only get 60 cents for like 20 boxes. Ramen noodles. Yeah. It's my, I'm just joking. Yeah. I mean, they could pay you in like a thousand boxes of noodles and it's only five dollars. Seven bucks. That would, I mean. How do you make money? Because I know that 10 cent soup. (laughs) Really? How much are you making off that 10 cent soup? I don't know. Maybe like nine. Probably, probably costs free. Yeah. What's your overhead that you're making money on this? (laughs) So your favorite artist. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. On Instagram. Raymond. Uh, he's always posting these really awesome figure drawings that, I mean, they're, they're just gorgeous. And he did this one where he showed, you know, two or three of these final finished ones. And then he like panned the camera over and there was just a floor scattered with like several hundred of like mistakes, bad ones. And that's a really good analogy. Like, especially in today's world, we only post the good ones. Yeah. So you, you get this a million shots right. that you missed. You, you get the idea that there is only the tip of the iceberg. Cause it's all you ever see. Yeah. Right. Um, Everyone that you've seen who's successful in anything has a whole floor full of failures. That's yeah. just a fact. Like the the cutting room floor of yeah. of your life, pretty like much. episodes like this. Yeah, <laughs> this will definitely not air. No. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a yeah. Um, that analogy of uh, you know him showing all the mm-hmm. 
the shots that he missed and then the one that you're like, oh, this is so cool. And then he's like, but wait, this is <laughs> this is where it came from. There's another really good example. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Mott Warsh Gallery downtown. Got to give them a shot. Like, they are too good for us. I can't even believe that we have this gallery in Flint. The first time I walked in there, I was like, frick is this? Like, when did this? It's <laughs> This has been here the whole time? <laughs> yeah, well, it's relatively new. I think they, you know, maybe three, four years-ish or something like that. Um, but they're just, it's a phenomenal collection. It's actually like the Sarah Mott. So, I mean, whoever, one of the Mott's, this oh, okay. rich lady. It's her personal collection. So, it's like real stuff. Wow. But uh, they have two works by Kinda Wiley in there, in part of their collection. This is my personal favorite artist. Okay. Like my first art crush. Like, if he called me up, no questions asked. I'm whatever you want, Wiley, I'm there. <laughs> I'll abandon my family. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, wouldn't even think twice. Anyway. Um, they have two works by him and I think the time between the two was like 11 years or something like that. One is from 2007 when he just graduated from Yale and the other one is I think from 2018. So pretty recent. And what's awesome about seeing these two particularly side by side is you can see the, the progress that he had. Right. Yeah. Which for me was a crazy experience because this is a guy whose work I know from now Mm -hmm. and who you love. It's hard to think that he wasn't just born above everyone else. Yeah. Like he was just been endowed with all the brilliance of the Godhead. He was born in a Yale yeah, art I mean, studio. This, he was never a normal person. <laughs> He's, but uh, even though his one from 2007 is phenomenal, it's really good, you can see the progress. Yeah. And I think that's important for kids to see. Yeah. You know, that even these people who seem like they're just so high above you that it's like I could never reach that, they got there over time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to know that even Michael Jordan used to suck at basketball. That's a fact. Yeah. You know, he just became Michael Jordan from getting better. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a, that's funny. Cause, uh, my daughter likes SpongeBob. Who like, doesn't? Yeah. It's like, it's... imagine that. <laughs> and, uh, she thought it was a cool idea to get some, to get some burgers. Like she wants, I want to make some Krabby Patties. I'm like, all right, we'll get some burgers and we'll pull out the griddle and we'll make some burgers. And she's seeing it through the cartoon mm-hmm. like she's seeing how it's fun and you're flipping these burgers and you're smushing them down and uh i put these burgers on there and it's like 400 degree griddle and these <laughs> greases popping and she's like ow ow I'm like this is what you wanted to do let's do this she's like this is minimum wage <laughs> it just sucks dad and then um about three minutes later she's like hey dad uh can you let me know when they're done and then just walks out of the kitchen yeah. so now i'm like all right here i go like i just wanted to show her what you know i mean yeah. obviously we didn't go kill the cow and grind up the meat and all that stuff. We just got them yeah. from Meyer. But uh, I wanted to show her, like, it's not all fun and games. There's yeah. a there's work for you to enjoy that burger. Like, that's why you enjoy the burger mm-hmm. is because all the work that was put into it. If it was just mass-produced, um, no no shade towards uh, White Castle. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you had, like, all those little burgers in the plastic wraps, they're not that good. They're good for the second that you, just for that, but they're not good. Well, I mean, could you imagine that commercial? Like if they, if instead of showing you the finished product all steaming hot on a plate, they show you like it running down a conveyor belt, getting sprayed with pesticides. Yeah. Like, like the, like the cutting room floor thing with, yeah, right. uh, with Raymond. And, and they're showing the cows just walking into a grinder <laughs> and it's just shooting out patties. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're yeah. like, oh my God. So yeah, people, people will, uh, they love chicken, but. Yeah. Go ahead and kill that chicken and take its chest out and cook it. You'd be like, I don't know if I'm not really comfortable with this. Well, I, th- I think that's one of the things that 
in society today, so much of what we digest comes, you know, via whatever online social. It's all media processed, just like processed burgers. It's processed information. Right. I mean, all you get is that final product. It's not good for your brain. It's hard sometimes to think like life shouldn't be that all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, my kid will watch these YouTubers of other families where it's like every episode, they're going to Disney World and then they yeah. go to wherever and then they do something else. I'm like, hey, baby, just so you know, we are not like that is <laughs> that is not our life. Like we it's like are they are they truly happy? You're not seeing them behind closed doors drinking and yelling at each other. <laughs> well, we I think we, we create this perception that life is supposed to just be vacations and happy selfies all yeah. the time. And yeah. so what happens is when people come back to reality and it's not that depressed. Right? They think they think they're doing something wrong. Yeah, because to live is to suffer. Yeah. So I mean, so I, I mean, one of the things I love doing whenever I post something is I love showing the progression of it. You know, yeah. I'm even in the finished product. I like showing those beginning stages in my work. And the idea is like I'm not hiding anything. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm almost challenging who's ever looking to say, "Look, this is how I did it." So I mean, if you, I'm, it's there. If you want to try to do what I'm doing. I gave you the one, two, three. It's almost like a, like, what, what is that called? Like a dissection of a car yeah. where they cut it in half and you could see all the inner workings. Yeah. Like, cause some of the work that you have on these huge, like five by eight pieces oh, of yeah. canvas yeah, yeah. and you're seeing the pencil scratches yeah. of the blue pencil or the green yeah. pencil and then, then the lead and then, then the, then the line work and then the paint over that. So I'm like, it almost looks like a printer didn't finish. Mm -hmm. So it's like the bottom portion is kind of raw and like, but the finished stuff is like, holy cow. Well, I mean, it's some of it's a flex. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, so in my work, normally I render at least one face up to fruition. Like as much as I think I can render something, I try to make it look realistic. Yeah. Um, and then I'll do like the hands or something too. If I did the whole painting in that same level of finishness, let's call it, um, then the viewer has no idea how I got there. Yeah. I could have used a projector, could use a grid, could have draw it. I mean, really, if all you want is a realistic image, you can take a photo, you can digitally paint it. For me, it's like, if you like the aesthetic of my painting, you have to know how to draw it because I started off with a drawing. Mm -hmm. You have to know how to paint it because I went to painting. Like you'd have to know how to do the grisaille. You'd have to know how to do the wash. So for me, it's like, why cover up? that process. Yeah. It's like that process is the thing that no one ever sees people. It's the non vacation days. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's the uh, early mornings on a, yeah. on a Tuesday. You're just, it's, it's there. It's on there. It's all and, on there. And to me, I don't see them as lesser. Like I love the way that these charcoal marks look. I oh, think yeah. it's just as interesting as the highly rendered face. It's organic. It looks organic. Yeah. But it's just, you know, people are trained to think that, that, that realism, that face, like that's the art. Yeah. And they forget that all these other things are just as valid forms of artwork, at least to me. Um, we were talking one time and you were telling me how, um, how you would draw the bones let's mm -hmm. say, or the lines mm -hmm. of how the position is going to be of the yep. person. And then, then the bones and then the tendons and how the muscles react on that oh, twist. Yeah. And that was a fun time. And then the clothes on top of that. And yeah. then, so you're, it's, it's from moving the dirt out of the way to create mm -hmm. this house. You put up the sticks, you whatever all the way up until you're putting the shingles on it's like wow that's a beautiful house but really you didn't see the dude sweating for three months on that you know yeah build I mean, or whatever imagine how much more you would more information be able to get from building a house if there was no drywall right yeah 
Like you would, you would just by looking at it know so much more as to what goes into it. Yeah, you would know whether or not you're interested in doing it or even buying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to buy a house with no drywall. That's that's a fixer upper get, for sure. Can <laughs> we get a house without drywall? I really want to see how it was. Yeah, made. I mean, I'm just curious as to what goes into this. Just a flat lot would be best. Just throw some eye yeah, beams down. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's cool though. Um, because we do, you know, we do uh, see all these cool posts and the cool things that these people are doing all the time. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, how come this is not my life? (laughs) You know, I, um, Jeremy, the the kid I was talking about earlier, he is very interested in doing art. So I was trying to teach him a couple things. And what you get is when kids like him, they like art. They don't really know what that means. Yeah. They don't really know what this thing is that they like. They don't know what goes into it. So I'm trying to show him certain things. I'm telling him, um, the tent method is something Leonardo da Vinci did where you take a line from the most outer part of the figure and bring it back to the head. So if you're standing still, your shoulders stick out the most. Okay. So I'll draw a line from your head to your shoulders. I gotcha. Things like that. And then I can draw a line from one shoulder to the next shoulder. And the idea is if I'm copying those angles and then I'm mimicking them on the paper, uh, if I do it right, then I'll have all the right angles. The composition of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to teach him how to do this and the kid is way off. Yeah. Love him to death. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's, 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 uh, he's a good artist for sure, especially for his age. So I'm not, I'm not dumping on him, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying like that isn't unique. Yeah. That these kids are like, that idea is so foreign to them, which to me is strange. It's like if someone really loves basketball, but they never learned how to shoot a jump shot. Yeah. Right. So now they're trying to go play basketball and their form is terrible. And they're like, how come I suck so bad? <laughs> right. I watch it all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you, you can learn much less from just watching a basketball game than you can from like learning, like, you know, the fundamentals of basketball. Yeah. So a lot of my work is I'm trying to create the image that if I was talking Jeremy through how to do it, uh, he could see exactly what I'm talking about. I can't just say cop angles cause that's too foreign. Yeah. Same way. Like if you're holding a basketball and I'm like, okay, hold it on your fingertips or keep your elbow at 45 degrees or whatever. For someone that's that's their first time hearing it, they're like, oh, gee, like "What do you what?" Yeah. Um, so again, I'm trying to create this roadmap so kids understand not just the highly rendered face. You know, how did I get there? If you think it's interesting, at what points you can learn to help develop yourself, yeah. your own artwork. It's always like adding to it. It's yeah. Like I drew. Um, I was really into watching people draw hyper realistic. Mm. Uh, things with just pencil. Yeah. That's like my favorite. Medium. So honest. Medium to work with. Is it medium? Yeah. Media. Medium. I, I mean, you, you go with what you want, medium. but it's, it's medium. medium. It's, all right. So medium. And to me, pencil is like my favorite thing. Yeah. So I'm like, let me see how realistic these people can get. And um, there's this book that I read. This is going to, I promise you, this is all going to come together. Oh, no, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, it's called The Five Rings. Okay. And it's um The Five... It's pretty much like if you're watching basketball, mm-hmm. like you're going to at least need to learn five things about mm. how it works. Like the ball, the shoes, the court, the, how far, how high the net is, mm-hmm. the rules of the game. Like it's not just, oh, I'm just going to keep shooting this ball and there's no rules. Um, so, yeah, see, I told you it was going to come together, right? <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying before that? See, I was so in, <laughs> I was so into the story. I don't even I remember anything before that. Um, yeah, like okay, so the realist, the hyper realistic pencil drawing. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm like 
okay, these people are drawing these amazing things, like a hand, and it looks like a real hand, just monochromatic, just black and white. Mm-hmm. And then I start getting into it. Now I'm learning more about just pencil lead, mm-hmm. like the point, the the two compared to the B and the H and how soft and hard and where mm-hmm. you use them and when you don't use them and a good pencil to sketch with. So you could erase the, the lines when you do your final yeah. artwork or whatever. And just learning with a pencil, mm-hmm. there's so much that, that is involved, oh. but it was from, for that eye that I drew the hyper realistic eye, I couldn't draw the other one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like from that, the, that left eye that I drew, I, I was like, how can I draw the right one now to match it? Mm-hmm. Like that to me is the hardest thing for me. Yeah. It's, it's like drawing a, a, like two hands and I draw this one perfect. Now I'm like, Oh no, not the other <laughs> one. <laughs> Cause well, hands and feet and stuff. That's important. Eyes. I still suck at drawing feet. Yeah. That's, I still can't. I, they're very draw shoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you would not think that, right? Like feet or hands, but mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're looking at your hands all day, pretty, yeah. not, you know, pretty much. Um, and you'll notice it if something's funky on a drawing of a hand, you're like, that's, that's not a, that's not good. Yeah. No, I, I think it's funny. The thing you said about the five rings, I think it's really true. Um, particularly I found this out when I started diving more into graphite drawing. Um, I like to say that I'm like an eight out of 10 when it comes to realism. I think I can scratch at nine here and you're, there you're, if, if I yeah, want you're to. Good. You're up well, there. I'm not a 10. I'm not doing like oh. the the sweat beads off someone's forehead and like the glistening. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, seen people do like reflections off the sweat on the forehead and the crease of your brow, and like I'm not, I'm not. That's really hard. I'm not a ten. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but one of the things people don't understand, you can get up to eight without really knowing what you're doing. Yeah, just by figuring it out yourself. And that gap between that eight and ten, in most cases, is technique. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of these kids miss out on because they're just seeing the 10 and they're just trying to mimic it and they're just trying to emulate it. Like, you know, I hate to keep bringing the kid up, but when Jeremy tries to draw something, he's just going off of how he's learned how to draw. Yeah. And you should do that. You need some of that too. But it's like, if you want to go from eight to 10, these hyper-realistic, uh, especially pencil drawer, I had no idea that what I was doing wrong is I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I wasn't using chamois. I wasn't using stomps. I wasn't using the right eraser. I wasn't putting gloves on even just like smudging the paper because you're not wearing gloves. Yeah, I have one of those like yeah. three fingered little slippery doodahs. I don't so, know what, I think that's what they're called. <laughs> it's like I started learning from, or I started watching videos on one of these guys that do these hyper realistic drawings. And I was shocked at how much stuff he was doing that I wasn't doing. Yeah. You like to think like, cause if I just put pencil to paper and start drawing and it comes out like an eight, you just like think the other dude's just better at doing what I'm doing. Yeah. The truth is he's doing it way different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, it's all the adding mm-hmm. pencil drawing is about adding stuff. I mean, obviously taken away when you're stomping and yeah. you, uh, you whittle that, that rubbery eraser. What is that called? That one that you could like the uh, kneaded eraser. The yeah, one that's like silly ne- putty. Yeah. And Those you're like fun. making a really sharp point trying to like, you know, like get in there and it's, it's hard if you don't know what you're doing. Well, even stuff like the grid, I mean, most real, I don't know, very, very few people who work in hyperrealism who don't use either a grid or a projector. Mm. Um, but if I, all you see is the finished painting, how do you know that? Yeah. The grid's not showing up at the end. So it's like, even that, that's a great example. Like That's used in murals a lot too, is like the grid. I have to. Yeah. I've only met one muralist who can 
she works pretty realistically too and doesn't use a grid at all because they pretty much i'm I'm sorry to like jump in like i know what i'm but i've I've watched some stuff on youtube okay (laughs) it's like they have their drawing Mm -hmm. and then they chop it up into these sections and then make it bigger with the same amount of sections that's on the wall yeah and it's that's but they're really good at it (laughs) well it's like for me all the techniques because i don't use a grid when i draw usually but all the techniques I use to draw something realistically with no grid, like copying angles, mm-hmm. that junk does not work in a mural. Yeah, It's like when you blow it up to that scale, for me, I have to have something to help me relate it to this new scale that's just huge. It's so much bigger than you. It's hard to see the whole thing. Like the, It's like the forced perspective yeah. type stuff where someone's leaning in yeah. and their shoulders are off. Like that stuff is really hard. Like that's you have to practice that. It's not like, yeah, I'm going to draw this guy like – throwing a front kick but the foot is way out and like how do you draw the rest of the leg is it getting thinner as it gets to the body and you know it's like what's going on with the rest of the body like how the the other foot's positioned with this kick it's hard it's really hard if you don't know what you're doing well i mean and then a lot of kids will see that and they'll think that they just did it so much to figure it out yeah which the truth is most of the time they learn perspective like what you were saying before about drawing one eye realistic and not knowing how to put in the other eye yeah it's not like the guy who does both eyes right is doing that same thing and he's just better at it. He first learned how to uh, get the different planes of the face or just construct the figure. Yeah. And then he learned how to make it look realistic. But if all I see is a realistic eye and I'm just trying to copy it the way I know, you, you're not learning the things that no. make that difference. Yeah, the the one eye, uh, the one eye I drew, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was from just, just you're just lightly. Yeah going and then you're adding more here until there's sections that are just dark like as much graphite as you could put on the paper mm-hmm. um, but it came out pretty cool if i remember i'll show it to you i would love to see it you could see my eye <laughs> <laughs> the only eye <laughs> um dang man it's already been an hour huh oh, snap. time warp um so you have you have your project coming out or your uh event coming out mm-hmm. um you said may or was it march so we were going to put it in March, and then I linked up with James Thigpen, who, again, is a phenomenal artist. Like, I thought I was pretty good, and it, he's like everything I wish I was coming out of Flint. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, he moved to New York. He was pretty successful doing um, mostly marketing, advertisement-type stuff. Okay. Um, but now he's spending more focus on his fine art. He has been before. It's just getting more attention. Uh, and we're going to do a show coming up in March. It's going to be on Good Friday. Nice. Yeah. And you're just... Putting your works together in like a... Like uh, a I mean, I'm going to try not to get embarrassed is what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> well, it's going to be kind of like a like an art show where people could come and purchase your art. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. You know, it, one of the things that we both talked about is I didn't want it to look like a group show where it's like he does his thing and I do my thing. One of the things I really like about James is there's a lot of, uh, a lot of cross between our work. Okay. You know, we, we touch on a lot of the same issues um, in a very different way. So, you know, I like to think that if he's painting something that relates a lot, or he actually does digital editing, it's kind of like a, you got to look him up, James Thigpen. Um, I even spent a little time talking about his work too, because it's very interesting. Um, but if he's does a piece that relates then to my piece, but we got there in such different ways, yeah. it just helps you learn more about the thing that we're both talking about, yeah. right? Just two perspectives on the same issue, basically. So it's just, you're just going to be marrying what works 
Like not like you said, his stuff on this side, my stuff on that side. It's going to just be an amalgamation um, of the, of everything, and people are oof. not really going to know. I guess I don't know the layout yet. I'll have to see <laughs> what he brings, you know, because that'd be kind of cool. But it, you know, also you want your, you know, your pieces to stand out, but you're not competing at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's that's for the the curator to decide where the work's going to go. But, just uh, all all your frames are black and all his frames are like blue there you go <laughs> well i mean his work is very different from mine um like i said he does the digital editing when i first saw his stuff i didn't really get it so he does this collage and i say that word i mean it is collage just not what you think collage is so he'll do he has one it's like this girl riding a bike mm-hmm. and he told me like yeah he compiles this from other images something you know, okay like the bike was an image and maybe the basket on the bike was another image and the girl was an image. No, he'll take like the eyeball from an image, put it on with the forehead from an image, put it with the ear from an image, put it with like the hair from an image from like the back side of a head of another image. There'll be like 50 within just one figure. Oh wow! And then he smooths it out to the point where you can't even see where one starts and one ends. Oh wow. Not until you get so close on it's it that like you realize melted together. Yeah, you realize like, wait a second, that finger doesn't belong to that hand. <laughs> like, I mean, it's that's cool. Oh, I mean, it, it's phenomenal. So, like, when you honest. see like a collage of like, let's say a thousand faces, but it makes the face of Tom Cruise. Let's just say, yeah. <laughs> but it's like everybody else's face. Yeah, again, like it's that same experience where when you look at it from a different a distance, it's just Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, but then what I like about it is once the viewer realizes what went into it. They're drawn in. Yeah. And then they get to the point where they're looking at each face, right? Yeah. That's what I like. I like to think my work does a little bit of that. I try to bring the viewer in to look a little longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I love about James's work is he definitely does that. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. So that's going to be big. Hopefully. I mean, it's either it's a sink or swim. (laughs) Either it'll be big or I'll just get shown up and quit forever. One of the two. So stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be on the next show. Or right, right. <laughs> Either me and Rags or Rich is one of the two. Um, so that's the the first big thing of the year for you? Yes. Okay. So we're going to do that. And then right on the heels of that, we're going to have uh, the Speakeasy show, we're going to call it. I'm pretty okay. excited. This is going to be in May, um, where we're doing it in a loft above Cafe Rima downtown. Okay. So it has this real kind of like backdoor type vibe where it's, it's basically like a speakeasy, and we're going to do primarily highlighting some graffiti artist in the city. Okay. Um, it's still my show in the sense that I'm collaborating with each of these artists. Again, I didn't want it to just be kind of this potluck group show. Yeah. But hopefully this will give people a chance to see the talent we have with graffiti artists. It'll give these graffiti artists a chance to see what their work looks like in a fine art setting. Like, what does it look like when I do a painting and it hangs? Mm-hmm. Or one of the artists is doing a three, 3D piece. And he's going to uh, install it in the show. Um, so that that's them figuring out what that space is where they can try to monetize, not even monetize, but try to put their work in this new setting. Try to put it in front of new viewers. Like that yeah. fine art customer should be able to see graffiti yeah. or work from these artists. You know, So that's that's the goal with that show. Pretty excited about it. Are they? You have they to have know the password to get in, though. It's nice. very it's very hush-hush. <laughs> it's pineapple. Oh. Um, <laughs> now we have to change the password. Thank you. <laughs> um, so are, do these shows that you, that have you, that you've been to or mm-hmm. that you're going to do, mm-hmm. do they have like names, like a name? 
like uh, like a title of the show? Yeah, typically you you title the show just for you know marketing reasons. Um, yeah. The one with me and James, well, I don't think we've landed on a title yet. I think we have a couple months to figure that out. Okay. I know the the speakeasy one. I named it that because I just liked the idea of it. Yeah, <laughs> like speakeasy, just that. Well, or the. I mean, I wasn't called the Speakeasy Show, <laughs> but now I guess I'll go change it to something else. You I'm just see, ruining. You seem your less plans. than impressed by it, so never mind. Speak easy, like I don't know. It's like you don't have to whisper. You gotta say it cool, like you're not a cop. Yeah, you're, speak. Is there I'm here sp- for the Speakeasy. <laughs> What's the uh, password? I get on the ground. <laughs> well, that's cool. At least you, uh, you're. Doing stuff that's, you know, you're you're planning stuff ahead, I guess. Yeah, trying. The, the idea is if you can get, like, five things planned, then when four of them fall through, you'll do something. something you'll do at exci- least one of them. Yeah, one of them will be exciting. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, because I, I was, like I said, I was following you. I, you know. Not, in, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. you know, wink. <laughs> um, but, yeah, your art, like, just to see your work change and mm-hmm. evolve and grow and just tried new things like I, I i like it thank you i i recommend it to anybody when they're talking about art i'm like check this dude out nice and, and uh, i will give you a nickel for each one that does yeah. that's how this works i'll take my 10 cents after <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. um do you want to i mean give any shout outs anybody um sure i mean y- you gotta check out comic bookstore downtown like i said i'm just in love with this space um james thigpen highly recommend his work uh, all the other guys I've already shouted out, you know, like uh, Kevin, of course. I mean, I was just supposed to list all my friends Missy, now. Missy Yellow. What's her What's her name? Katie Yellow? Yeah, Katie Yellow. I'm not sure if she wants you to bug her, <laughs> but definitely you guys should check her out to at least see the events that are going on. Yeah. And like I said, most of the time, if there's something interesting happening in the art world downtown, it's funneling through at least her or these group of creatives in some way. That's cool. So definitely check her out just so you know. What other events are happening? And you. Yeah, and look look, look me up if you haven't already. I'm sure you have. That's uh, Lattimore.art on Instagram, and then your website? Uh, is LattimoreArt.com. Okay. And your personal face? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> personal face. It's social security number. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, thanks for thanks for coming out here, dude. No, thank you. Well, it was fun talking. We, we didn't really touch too much on religion yeah but it's out there yeah i'm pretty sure people are aware that a religion exists yeah i can Um, live with that but i I just wanted to really get to how you know like how much it affected you and Mm -hmm. you know like you're just the more more of the history of you because we can talk 10 different times and i'll learn 10 different things at least (laughs) at least i hope um (laughs) about your history and that's all i really want people to to like tune in to listen see what you're up to see how you came up with it or where you came from. And like I said, we find more common we're more, more in common than not. So yeah, shut up and listen sometimes. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thanks thank everybody. You. Take it easy. Yeah. Thanks man. No, thank you. Go quick. Yeah. It, it seemed. <laughs> <laughs>